coming up. And then all of a sudden, a bright orange light out of nowhere. And all I could think is he just lit his house on fire. If the, that cop doesn't wake me up, Officer Brown, I'm not here. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. A resident of the Table Mountain townhome complex in Golden, Colorado, says he'd been hearing a neighbor pounding on a shared wall for days. It all started when one neighbor, Sean Todd, heard his neighbor pounding on the wall overnight. He says this pounding had been happening for days. Pounding on the wall, pounding on the wall. Early Friday morning, shortly after 3 a.m., the pounding finally stopped. And then all of a sudden, a hammer comes through my wall. The next thing the man saw was the barrel of a gun. Right when he came through with the hammer, he reached through made to make the hole bigger. Um, and then he stuck a assault rifle. All I could see was the barrel to the gun and the flashlight on the top of the gun um, that he stuck through the wall and pointed at us. Courtney Yoon, reporter with Nine News in Denver. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Rita. I'm glad to be here today. Late last week, there was a fire at a townhome complex in Golden, Colorado, that you quickly learned was more than just a house fire. Walk us through what all happened in the early morning hours of last Friday. Yeah, definitely, Reed. So it turned out the call originally was for a felony menacing call. Um, So what happened was a neighbor was awake. He happened to be awake at like three in the morning. He was out helping a friend and just happened to be awake still. He hears some pounding on his wall, and this is like something normal that he's been used to for the last couple days. His neighbor has been pounding on the walls like nonstop, um, incessantly. Um, So it's happening again really early in the morning this time, around three o'clock. Soon that uh, pounding turns into a hammer going through his wall, and then suddenly he sees um, a hand reach through, and his neighbor is reaching through and pulling the drywall out to make the hole bigger. Um, And then all of a sudden, a gun comes through. Um, The man that we spoke with who this was happening to said it looked like an assault rifle, and all he could see sticking through the hole was the barrel of the gun and a tactical light on top of it. So once that gun came through and the hammer came through the wall, he called 911. Um, yeah, and then police arrived on scene shortly after that, that around 3.30 on Friday. What do those officers discover when they get to the scene? They they went into his apartment and they see the hole in the wall. They confirm that there is a hole in the wall and they see the tactical light shining through. Um, And while they're in there, they see an orange glow coming from the apartment next door where this hole was coming from. Um, And it turns out that that apartment was on fire now. So that orange glow was fire. Um, They quickly evacuate everyone. Um, Officers go door to door, pounding on doors. The man who called 911 originally, originally, his name is Sean Todd. He was trying to help get people out of their apartments too, because, you know, it's early in the morning, people are sleeping. Um, So yeah, uh, soon after that gun came through the wall, also a fire started. You mentioned you actually spoke with Sean Todd, the resident who called 911. What else did he tell you about any previous interactions with this neighbor? 
Yeah, so this this man was kind of a mystery to all the residents there, including Sean. In the eight months I've lived here, I've never seen him once. Sean said he's lived there for, at the time he had lived there for eight months, and he had never seen this man before, um, only hearing this pounding on the wall. And he said it had been happening for probably like three days, three or four days before this fire and gun incident happened. Um, he also said that he saw some older people that would bring food and just leave it on his doorstep. He assumed it was his parents bringing him food and just leaving it there, but he never saw the man. Um, he also said that his packages or deliveries that he would get would sit on his front step for like a week at a time before he would actually bring them inside. So he seemed kind of reclusive to him. Um, Sean mentioned that. And then there were some other residents too that we spoke with that said the same thing. Like, you know, we had been hearing pounding on the wall for days on end. Um, and it had been really disruptive to people. I just thought he was working on his house. Just like their neighbor, Sean, Josiah and John had also heard pounding coming from Unit 103, where the gun was stuck through the wall and the fire appears to have started. So he was hammering um, for like three days. Sean, actually, the day before the fire happened, this whole incident happened, he called police to complain um, and actually had them knock on his door to tell him to stop pounding on the walls because he was disturbing everyone so much. And the police were never able to make contact with him. What does Sean do next? A hammer comes through his wall. He sees a gun, calls 911. The building is on fire. What does he do at that point? Yeah, at that point, he had already made it down to like the parking lot area by the time the fire had started. And then all of a sudden, a bright orange light out of nowhere. And... All I could think is he just lit his house on fire. Then he realized that he had his three dogs in his apartment. So he had a he ran up there and um, grabbed his dogs, brought them down to safety. And he said it, the flames um, were, were moving very quickly. Like they were growing very quickly. The fire was growing quickly. Um, and then by the time he turned around and was safely back outside of the building at that point, that like the building was pretty much engulfed in flames. Like the residents, all of them who were there and, and saw it happen, say all talked about how quick the fire grew. Um, it just seemed like it happened within an instant, within a couple seconds, those flames were like 20 feet tall. One of the residents were saying above the building. And it didn't take but 10 seconds. When I walked to the parking lot, I turned around and the flames were already above my apartment, like 20 feet up. As you laid out, this was all happening quickly. That first 911 call came in at 3.24 a.m. Officers arrived on scene, evacuated the building, and firefighters arrived at 3.55 to start putting the fire out. Thankfully, nobody was physically hurt in the fire. One witness did share video of the fire with Nine News. Walk us through what exactly that footage shows. Yeah, yeah. When you first start watching it, the video is kind of long. It's like six minutes long. Um, but I guess six minutes isn't that long when we're talking about fire. They start out pretty small, those flames. And within like two minutes, really, in that video, the flames are above the heads of the firefighters. So you'll see three firefighters start to come out onto this roof. Um, and the flames are way above them. And then a ladder comes to get them out of there. But it, the video there is pretty intense just seeing, you know, what firefighters deal with when they come to a, a, a building like this that's engulfed. Um, it's pretty stunning visuals and really scary. And yeah, when you think about it, 
really thankful and grateful that no one was hurt and that everyone woke up in time to get out of there. There was one man, his name is Josiah McLeod. He lives um, in that same building that was uh, on fire. And he credits uh, Sean Todd, the guy who called 911 originally for saving his life, um, just because he, he thinks he would have been trapped inside had he had police not come to wake him up. Like him calling the cops for sure saved my life. If he wouldn't have been the one to call like that, I don't know. I would have been trapped in there. Another man, he tried to escape. He, um, an officer knocked on his door. He wakes up, tries to get out his front door, which is his only exit. And he says there's a six foot wall of flames there. Um, so he couldn't get out that way. He had to knock out the screen uh, of the window next to his front door and he had to get out that way. Got away with one there. John Lumley says he had to escape through the window next to his front door because there was a six foot wall of flames blocking his exit. If the, that cop doesn't wake me up, Officer Brown, not here. So yeah, it, it just seemed like everything happened really quick. Golden police are searching for a man accused of being a dangerous menace to his neighbors. So he allegedly tore a hole in a shared wall in a house, and that's just the beginning. Firefighters get the blaze under control. At some point, we know police begin looking for the man who lives in Unit 103 of this complex where they believe the fire originated. Tell us about that search for 48-year-old James Gambrell Jr., yeah, so we find out like uh, later on in the day that they're looking for this person of interest that you're talking about. Um, when we spoke to police, they believed that he had left on foot because they still had his car. Um, there was a lot of activity over there in that area um, that day with just drones um, surveilling the area looking for him. They had a bloodhound out there as well trying to track him. Um, and we didn't hear much about the search for him, no leads, didn't know where he was, no one who knew him. Again, these residents had really never even really seen this man before. None of them had. One guy had seen him one time, um, but no one really knew anything about him. And then later on that evening, around 11 p.m., he turned himself in. The person of interest in townhome fires in Golden yesterday turned himself into police. 48-year-old James Gambrell Jr. turned himself and two guns into police last night. He's being held now on the The information that they were giving about him when the release went out about they were looking for a person of interest was that he was ex-military, that he may be highly paranoid, and that he's known for carrying firearms. Um, so it, it was pretty scary for a lot of the people around there that we were talking with um, to know that that guy was still out there wandering around. But um, yeah, he, he did end up turning himself in around 11 p.m. that day. What all is James Gambrell Jr. charged with at this point? Yeah, so he was charged with three counts of attempted homicide, three counts of felony menacing, and one count of arson. I want to ask about that arson charge. The charge implies that investigators believe the fire was started intentionally. Do we have any other information about how exactly investigators believe this fire started? Yeah, Reed. So at this point, we don't know exactly how the fire started. Um, we have the the anecdotes of the police officers and also the man who called 911, Sean Todd, saying that they saw the fire starting in Unit 103. Um, but that hasn't all been confirmed yet, and they haven't said a cause at this point. But that entire building was pretty much destroyed. So seven units in there 
are a complete loss. Um, so at least seven people have to find somewhere else to live. One of the men that we talked to um, who lives there, his name's John Lumley. He had just moved in three weeks ago. Um, so for a lot of these people, it's just, you know, you don't think that this is going to happen, um, especially three weeks after you move in. But yeah, there's just several residents out there now who kind of got their lives flipped upside down. Everything I've worked hard for in the last few years is gone. One step at a time, put it back together. Everything's gone now, so, but I have my car and my health and my cat's okay. I'm sure they're wondering too, you know, how did this fire start? What what happened that morning that it was able to happen so quickly? Um, fire investigators are, are, are still looking into that. Courtney Yoon with Nine News in Denver. Thanks for sharing the story. Of course. Thanks for having me, Reed. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're trying to figure out what to listen to next, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows. That includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles, also co-hosted by me and Will Johnson. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. Redmond.